Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Hear now the word of God. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Pause for a moment in that. The next time you look at your life and wonder, what happened to me? How did I get here? Who am I? What am I doing? Remember this. The Father loves us so much that he calls us his children. And he doesn't just call us his children. We are his children. Physically, spiritually, our identity, our self-worth, our everything is grounded on this unshakable good news. You are a child of God. You are his daughter. You are his son. There is nothing in this world that can take that away. And as children of God, we know, we know that God will not give up on us. He is creating us anew. And even though we fight him, even though we get distracted, even though the world tears us down, God will not give up. The good thing he has started in your life, he will bring to completion. Because you are his daughter. You are his son. But you'll notice in this letter... John says, we are called children of God, and that is what we are. Because saying something isn't the same as it being true. Is there anyone in here who does not have an email address? Got pretty much everybody, great. Uh, if you have an email address, you've probably received one of these wonderful emails, perhaps from a Nigerian prince offering you millions. <laughs> Just give them your credit card number. Uh, you, you've likely received one of these. Well, this man named James got one of those from a man named John. Obviously not the same John that wrote our letter. Uh, but James decided, I want to see where this goes. The first email he received read, I need your help. So James replied, John, why? Who are you? John's reply came back the same day. Dear friend, my name is John Kelly. I am 59 years old man. I am in hospital in Dubai. Recently, my doctor told me that I would not last for the next six months due to my cancer problem, cancer of the lever, L-E-V-E-R. 
I am giving my money away because of my health condition and the fact that my second wife is a terrifying woman to deal with. <laughs> Marrying her was the only mistake I made in my life. She's currently managing my company here, but I know what she's capable of. She has sold her soul to the devil, and I do not want her to come near my money. Regards, John Kelly. So James, continuing to the, play the game, wrote back, John, I'm so sorry to hear of this. Cancer of the lever can be deadly. Your second wife sounds awful. How did she sell her soul to the devil? And are you sure it's your lever and your second wife isn't poisoning you? Make sure you check your food before you eat it. James. A day or so later, James replied again, John, I had an idea while I was in the bath this morning. When you sit down to dinner, say to your wife, look over there or something. And when she's looking the other way, switch plates with her. That way, if she's poisoned your food, she'll be eating it. Regards, James. John Kelly finally replies, I feel sad when I even talk about her. I need you, sincere assistant, to help me to move and invest the sum of $9 million. Our business discussion must remain strictly confidential, and my wife can never know about it. James replies that he's thought more about switching plates. On second thought, don't do the plate switcheroo. She's crafty. She's probably a step ahead of you. Don't switch the plates. But John Kelly is on a mission, so he refocuses. James, you must inform me your readiness to allow me introduce you officially to the company as my financial investment representative. I await your approval. James shoots back, of course, happy to help. Let me know the deets, which is short for details. <laughs> Taking it to the next level, James begins emailing John Kelly's law firm. Liberty, spelled with two Bs, lawfirm at hotmail.co.uk. And they inform James that they need his full name, address, occupation, monthly salary, marital status, and phone number. So James gives them some information. And the next day, Liberty, with two Bs, law firm, informs him that John Kelly has passed away. The $9.2 million is his, but he needs to send $900 for the court fee. It's needs to be wired to an address in North London. James asks for more information about John, and they say they knew John very well as his company's lawyer in the UK when he was operating a supermarket and juice firm. And they've remained John's personal lawyer ever since. There's this extended bit that James has with a dream involving 9.2 million sheaves of corn. I wish I could go into it with you, but there simply isn't time. So I'll cut to the last email he sends to Liberty with 2B's law firm. I live in London, so I thought I would pop over and give you the $900 in person. Be good to meet up and talk about John. I stopped by your corporate offices in North London, only I couldn't find an office there. Just a cul-de-sac. What's the deal? All the best, James. It's easy to claim to be somebody. For instance, to claim to be John Kelly, the former owner of a supermarket and juice firm, who sold them before migrating to Dubai and marrying his wicked second wife and now is dying from lever complications and trying to give away $9.2 million. And it's easy to claim to be something. For instance, Liberty with 2B's law firm in London, the personal attorney of John Kelly. But saying something is true doesn't really mean anything. 
As James pushes and the story grows more complicated, details emerge until there's this whole elaborate web involving real people in real places like Dubai and London and involving 900 very real dollars that need to be wired to an address in London. And the whole thing actually starts to seem sort of real until James shows up in person. Until the moment where what John Kelly and Liberty with Two Bs are saying can either be seen and touched, or there's just a cul-de-sac. In our letter from John, not John Kelly, but John the Apostle, he says, we are called children of God, and that is what we are. You see, he's dealing with his own John Kelly situation. People are calling themselves Christians. They're saying we're followers of God. They're saying they believe. They're saying, I am a child of God. But what they are saying, and what is real, isn't measuring up. They say they're children of God, but saying something is true doesn't really mean very much. Where there should be corporate offices in North London, there's just a cul-de-sac. I don't think anyone really tries to do this, except John Kelly. We don't try to spin a web of words that hides what's really real. But this is still a temptation for every Christian. It's not something we try to do, but it's still something we all do. We say the right thing because saying the right thing is easy. But saying something is true means very little. So in this letter, the Apostle John challenges us. He keeps pushing and he tells us, if you want your faith to be real, if you want to be a true child of God, this is what the reality should look like. Verse 3. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. To be a child of God is not simply to name it. It is to purify yourself so that you look like it too. In the Old Testament, there was this holiday once a year. We'd call it spring cleaning. But for this holiday, you would clean everything in the whole house. And the focus was getting all the leaven out of the house, all the raised bread. So every loaf, every crumb of bread, every little shred, you had to find it, wherever it had fallen, behind the fridge, under the counter, and get it all out of the house. Why? Why leaven? Leaven isn't evil. Leaven isn't a devil food. The holiday was a way of taking what we say and putting it into action. The point is spending a whole day thinking about purifying your house for God. The leaven doesn't matter, but purifying your house and your life for God, that matters a lot. So while you're searching out for every crumb, sweeping every corner, you're thinking about the secret corners of your life, the secret corners of your heart, and you take all these sins and all this leaven, you throw it all in the trash. And what you're left with is a life and a house rededicated to God. Our concern with this sort of thing is often, well, that person is probably just faking it. They're probably just putting on a show. They're just going through the motions, but it's not really real. They're just going through the motions. But going through the motions isn't always a problem. I babysat this kid. He was around this tall because I'm bad with ages. 
It was about bedtime, and he was getting ready, and I knew that he hated brushing his teeth. I knew because he told me, I hate brushing my teeth. I told him he still had to, and he told me that he was only going to pretend to. And I told him that was fine, but to really pretend, he should probably put some toothpaste on the toothbrush so it looks real. He agreed that would help. Then I told him he should put water on the toothbrush because I'm going to check to see if it's wet, and he agreed that he should get the toothbrush wet. Then I told him he should probably just smear some toothpaste in his mouth so that when I checked his breath, it would smell like toothpaste, and he thought that was a good idea. And then I told him, since I was standing there watching him, he should at least make it look like he was brushing, simulate the motion so that I thought he was brushing his teeth. And he nodded enthusiastically. Then he spit out the toothpaste, and with a smug grin, he walked past me, proud that he had faked brushing his teeth. (laughs) But you see, cleaning is an action. And even if you're just going through the motions the thing still ends up clean. God claims us as his children. He claims us as his sons and daughters, but there's a difference between being called children of God and actually being children of God. And like John Kelly, it's easy for us to claim to be whatever we want. But for us to be really, to really be sons and daughters, we have to follow him. We have to pursue him. And John tells us we have to purify ourselves. By cleaning our homes, by cleaning our communities and our hearts of all sin, even if sometimes it only feels like we're going through the motions, even if we're just pretending to brush our teeth or pretending to pray or pretending to go to church, what you might find is that in your pretending, God still shows up. Even just going through the motions and doing the rituals of church, we are purified. Purified into living a life worthy of being called children of God. And there, in that moment of purifying our home, purifying our hearts, we begin to feel the warmth and the love of our Father in heaven. It might feel like just going through the motions, but just going through the motions, we are reminded, you are a child of God. Indeed, that is what you are. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we acknowledge our temptation to hide what is real behind a web of words. And we are amazed and grateful that you do not do that. You call us your children, and indeed that is what we are. Help us to live lives worthy of that title. Help us to live lives that honor you. We pray all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen.